Pops Talk Sports. We're going to start this episode talking about Breonna Taylor. The family won a $12 million lawsuit today, but that's not what we want. That's not what we want at all. We want the officers to be arrested. We're hearing there's going to be a grand jury trial soon. We don't care about no settlement. WNBA talked about this today. We don't care about the settlement. Arrest the officers who murdered Breonna Taylor. With that being said, Couch Talk Sports. Here, another episode with my boy Jay, Ryan. What's up, guys? What's up, What up, man? What up? What's up? What's up? Media reactions and media reaction. This is a must-needed episode. The Clippers just went down in Game 7 to the Denver Nuggets, 104-89. to Kawhi Leonard shoots 6-for-22. Paul George shoots 4-for-16. Oh my God! Let's talk about this. I need immediate reaction, guys. Hey, immediate reactions. You, you love to see it, Sue. You love <laughs> to see it, man. Playoff P in his finest form. I saw for the last couple years, and it's great to see that it wasn't just the Thunder's fault, man. I gotta say, you love to see it. Yeah, man. It's like clockwork, man. Every year, I feel like the Clippers are blowing some type of lead. This year it was three-one again. I guess it was, what, 2015 when they did it with the Rockets? With the Rockets 2015, like, yeah. Yeah, but it's like clockwork, bro. It's like Harden choking the playoff series, the Clippers blowing a series. It just happens every year, man. 2020 was no exception, I guess. What happened, though? They were up 3-1. 3-1. They looked it good. Kawhi was balling. Paul George was balling. And then game five, I mean, they were up 18 points, 19 points, I believe it was. And then they just choked down the stretch. In game six, they was up 73-55. They blew that lead. Tonight, they had a 12-point lead going in. Right before halftime, a 12-point lead. They cut that lead to about four points, two points before the halftime. And Nuggets just came out in the second half and exploded. Who, who you blaming? Who do you guys blaming this loss on? Let's talk about that. Is it Doc Rivers? Is it Paul George? Is it Kawhi? Let's talk about that. Man, you got to look at the players first the uh, coaches can only do so much with x's and o's you got to make a shot at the end of the day i mean they shot terribly like come on these are superstar players you've forged your whole future for them and they can't make one jumper come on you let it doc Rivers off the hook you know off the hook but you have to look at players at the end of the day x's and o's only do so much you, everyone knows in the end of the game five minutes left seven minutes left those superstars got to make plays Superstars no, got to no make play. play. That's very there's no true. no play being called. There's no play being called. You just got to make a jumper. Yeah. Who you blaming it on, Jay? Who you, who you blaming it on? Um, Jokic, baby, and Murray, man. Uh, <laughs> he was talking about, uh, Nunes was talking about, you know, the Clippers not showing up and their superstars. You know, this is the time of the year where your superstars have to show up no matter what. Even, you know, I mean, coaching is a big part of these series and all that. Well, your your stars got to deliver at the end, and that's what Jokic and Murray did, man. It's crazy because they did it the Jazz, too. Every time when their back's against the wall, it's like they like being in that position. They just start balling out, dude. Uh, Jokic was having his way with the Clippers' defense. They were giving him everything, getting all those back cuts and everything. And then Murray was just hitting. I guess he had, what, 25 points in the first half? And then um, just kept hitting big shots at the end every time the Clippers rallied a little bit. But you got to give credit where credit's due. And um, I'll pile on the Clippers in a little bit. But right now we got to recognize Murray and Jokic. Everyone talks about the Nuggets' future and all that. But, uh, I mean, they're in the Western Conference right now, so the present looks pretty good. Oh, so you're saying that it was more Denver and less Clippers. That's what you're saying? 
I'm giving Denver their due credit because they did make some nice adjustments throughout the series. The Clippers don't clip, man. And um, yeah, like, I'm telling you, it's like clockwork. PG was just, I mean, I knew, you know, playoff P was going to show up, but he took it to a whole nother level and, and in a bad way, too. It was just a total meltdown from George, dude. Um, we'll talk about Kawhi right now. PG just wasn't hitting. He was turning the ball over. There was like two straight plays where um, he got doubled, and they tried to give it to, I believe, uh, Jermichael Green, and he just threw the ball away. And there was another one where he kind of panicked on the double again and uh, turned the ball over. So, uh, I mean, Paul George right now, if you're, I don't know. I don't know what to say about him, but right now you, you got to wonder what's going through his head right yeah. now. Hey, man, seven minutes, 55 seconds left. Wide open three to cut it to 10. Clang. Then he hit the side of the back ro- backboard. Like yep. two plays later, <laughs> man, is that guy worth five first round picks? I just gotta ask. No, he not. No, he definitely not. I don't think anybody worth five first round picks. That was that was a mistake on the Clippers last summer to begin with. But we're not talking about last summer. We're here now. We're gonna stay focused. My friend Amy said, if I was Paul George, I go straight to the plane. <laughs> Lead a bubble immediately. Go straight to the plane. Cut off all Twitter accounts. That is that is hilarious. But playoff P, talk about playoff P, man. Man, earlier in the playoffs, he can't make nothing, man. You announced yourself playoff P a couple years ago and don't show up. And now he can't take the heat when people coming out and he's turning off comments on Instagram. He can't hear nothing right now. Like, he needs to just leave his clothes. Your friend, right, man. Don't even pack a bag. He can afford new ones. (laughs) Yeah, so he went... 8 for 18 in game 5. He went 9 for 21. He had 33 points in game 6, but he went 9 for 21. And tonight he goes 4 for 16. As Jay pointed out, he decided to backboard. He was turning it over. I don't know if I see them score in the second half either. Because after the first half, I know he hit a 3 in the corner. But in the second half, I don't know if he hit any shot after that. So we're gonna are we gonna bring this on Paul George alone? We're gonna give Kawhi because Kawhi this is affect Kawhi legacy right here. I think it does because uh, coming into the season, you know, all the hype was about him coming to LA, being the new king of LA, kind of taking LeBron's throne or spot or whatever, you know. And then I mean, he did deserve that credit because what he did last year with Toronto. But then everyone wanted to know if he could do it with another team and in the West again. I was shocked, dude. Um, usually Kawhi, you know, he has that cyborg mentality where he's just a cold blooded killer. But he was off. I think him and PG were like, at one point, they were like, in the fourth quarter, they were like both 0 for 7 or something, and then just kept clanking them off. So I don't think either of them made a field goal in the fourth. And then, um, yeah, dude, he was a complete non-factor, non-factor in the fourth quarter. And even defensively, like, sometimes when Kawhi's not hitting, you know, he'll create that random turnover, get a steal, and create an easy dunk to get himself going. But not even that. And then what surprised me most, too, was not that they were just missing shots, but their defense was horrible, especially early in the fourth quarter. The Nuggets were kind of letting them off the hook in the beginning, trying to kill the clock and all that, and kind of letting the Clippers back because they kind of went away from their offense and they are just trying to kill time. But uh, uh, especially PG, what surprised me the most, he was getting killed on a lot of back cuts. His defense, man, it was – well, the Clippers in total, their defense was – lacking some discipline, dude. They're getting burned on some easiest cuts, and Jokic was hitting them. So, uh, overall, it was a bad performance overall, defensively and offensively for the Clippers. There's a lot of things that went wrong tonight. Man, only scoring 89 points in a game seven. I look more at the the offense for sure. I mean, defense, 104 points is, like, not that terrible to give up in, the, in today's NBA. 
But you're right, when it mattered most, they were getting back cut to death. But I think that's mostly, people aren't used to someone like Jokic being able to pass like he did. I mean, that last pass that uh, Murray got fouled on when he just threw it over his head, man. Like, oh, yeah, he was just clowning at that point, bro. Yeah, <laughs> he was over. He was just feeling hey, bro. Jeff Van Gundy said man. he's the best passing big man of all time. You guys agree with that? Uh, he might be, dude. He might be. I've heard a couple people say that, too. Um, it's up there. I know back in the day, I know what uh, Rita Sabonis. Yes, Sabonis, yeah. First passing, too, back in the day, but we didn't really get to see him. Um, I like I like Vali Diva passing, too, actually. Vali Diva was decent, but nah, Jokic is nice, dude. And that's when the Clippers messed up, too. And I think this is when um, this is when we come into, you know, Doc. He made no adjustments throughout the series. Um, I know we are texting earlier. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, man. I know we are texting about it earlier when I kind of joked around and said it took him seven games to finally figure out that he needs to double Jokic. But um, even then, they started doubling him and trapping him, but then it feels like they kind of laid off of that, and they were just giving Jokic whatever he wanted. They were giving him time. Um, like I said earlier, the, they were letting dudes get back cuts. Yeah, man. Doc, I mean, if it was up to me, I mean – I don't see how he, he sticks around for next year. He's done. But, he's um, done. You give you give him you uh, you give him the fish. He's going fishing. I'm not guaranteeing that he's <laughs> done because you don't know with Balmer, but um, he hasn't done anything in these last seven years that warrants him to stay another year. Especially yeah. with this talent, everyone was raving about it all season. Oh, the Clippers are the deepest team in the league. Oh, they're just gonna turn it up when it matters. They got Kawhi. Paul, who's gonna score on them? You know this and that. And to put up that performance and end their season like that, that's a I don't know how he survives this. I agree with that about, like, he has not shown anything in the last seven years. But the fact is, it's too risky to get rid of him right now. He's coming back next year because if they blow it up, it's a whole new coach, a whole new scheme. They only have uh, PG and Kawhi for so long. I mean, they all have player options and things of that nature. And if you're going to start up from scratch again, and you don't have that window to mess up, I guess. Like, you don't have that give for that new coach. That new coach would have to come in and, obviously perform right right away in his new offensive scheme so i think doc's coming back i mean it's too risky i guess not to and you don't have an excuse anymore yeah do we blame doc he jay said you did he didn't make no adjustments um did he put his players in the right position to play did he have the right defensive scheme i mean what what are your thoughts about that yeah man he definitely didn't help him win i'll, I'll tell you that much he did nothing <laughs> to help him win but like i said I, i'm a big proponent on like coaches can only take you so far I mean, look at Eric Spolstra. Like, he's been great this year, but think about the championships he's won, right? It was with mm-hmm. great players. I mean, and that, that's been throughout history. Great, great coaches have great players, and they can only take you to the next step, right? Coaches can make you from, from good to great. They can't take you from bad to good and, like, good to great, whatever, you know what I'm saying? So it's, it's hard to blame it all on the coach. But, yeah, he didn't help him win. He definitely didn't get him a win. But I don't think he – Cause him to score 89 points. Yeah. I know people going to say he might be a little bit overrated at this point because with all that talent, he also had Chris Paul. He had Blake Griffin. He had Lob City. He didn't get them to the Western Conference Finals. They choked against the Rockets in 2015. It blew a 3-1 series. Are we calling Doc Rivers overrated at this point? Oh, he's definitely over. I mean, for me, in, in my opinion, um, I think that championship he won in 08, I think you know, people in the media or wherever, they've been kind of milking that. Um, I get it. He does have a championship, and you can't take that away from him. But since then, I mean, even before he got to the subject, look what happened with the 
when he was the coach of the Magic, and he blew a three-one lead with them too, with the whole in the I guess was it an old three or old two with against, was it against the Pistons against the Pistons against the Pistons yeah yeah it was the first year where they changed the first round to a seven-game series yeah and then the the Magic World three-one on the Pistons and they blew that one so he does have a history of kind of not being able to get his team over the hump. You mentioned earlier with Lob City, he kind of inherited Lob City, and they got him to take him to the next level. You know, because you know, with the whole Vinny thing, they thought it was just going to be first or second round that they had a ceiling with that team or with him as a coach. But um, Doc was hired seven years ago to kind of take him to the championship, and he hasn't been able to do that. You saw him um, 2015; he blew that three-one lead against the Rockets, and then also against um, that OKC series where it was what was the two-two. And the mm-hmm. cold Chris Paul turnover, where they yeah. just kind of had a meltdown too at the last couple minutes, and they uh-huh. lost it there. So um, I know that he's not known as a Nexus and O's coach, which is fine. You know, people kind of have him as that player coach to motivate his players, but I mean, I haven't seen anything in his track record that kind of you know supports that claim. And then we, the people we were even talking about it earlier, of like uh, they asked him if he was like the motivational speaker type of guy, and he said he wasn't. So maybe I don't <laughs> know. Maybe they should have. Maybe should have gave his own, like, Rocky speech or something before this game because they clearly needed it. But, um, yeah, dude, I think if he should be on the hot seat. I mean, he's been on the hot seat from what I've been seeing, you know, especially with this team. When they, As soon as they got Kawhi, you know, they were the championship. They were the favorites to win the championship. But um, I don't know how he can survive this, man. I mean, what more do you need to see? I get the whole that they don't want to kind of blow it up type of thing. But maybe Bomber looks at Ty Lue and says, hey, you want to take over? It won't be that big of a transition since he already knows the players and the team. Or maybe Sam Cassell could take over for that team. Um, but something has to happen because what Doc has been doing the last seven years, it hasn't been he hasn't been getting the job done. So Yeah. Sorry. Actually, there's a couple people on that staff that take the job, right? You got Tyron Lue. You got Sam Cassell. I mean, you have a couple people that could take that position over that – but. Like you said, Doc Rivers is a little bit overrated. He's a very good coach. He's a player coach. From all the players that speak about him, all the people that do podcasts about him, they speak very highly of Doc Rivers. But I think it might be time to go because he has not got them to the West Conference Finals. This is the second very good team that he has had. That Lob City team was very, very good in 2015, and they blew that series with James Harden on the bench. This Now he blows a series up 3-1. I mean, they're taking nothing from, you know, Jokic, taking nothing from Murray. They're all, they are great players. Murray had 40 tonight. Jokic have 16, 22, and 13 with a triple-double. So let's please give them their credit. But up 3-1, you got to win that series. You got to win that series. I can't wait for first take tomorrow to hear Stephen A and Max. This is going <laughs> Stephen A is going to let Max have it tomorrow <laughs> cuz he loves Max loves Kawhi Leonard and he probably Max might not show up tomorrow. Just don't show up tomorrow. Don't show up. But I like like what you said, Jay, let's give Denver their credit. They came back from 3-1 Murray and Joe Gibbs did ball. Now they go on to play the Lakers. We give them a chance against the Lakers. It should be a tough series um I think well the Lakers have that the Clippers didn't is uh scheme wise and systematically I think they're better defensively overall and then unlike Doc uh Vogel has shown throughout the playoffs that he can make adjustments uh, we saw in the Portland series and in the Houston series where uh, people kind of got excited after game one where they thought they, that you know they might get upset but then they ended up winning the next four games in each series so I think Vogel's going to make the right adjustments. That AD versus Jokic matchup is going to be one to watch. It's, it should be a good one. And then um, 
LeBron's just gonna have to go at their wings, man. I don't think Denver has anyone that they could that could guard LeBron. But it's gonna be fun, dude. It's interesting to see how they're gonna try to contain Murray. I mean, if you can, he might still be going off, but it should be a fun matchup. The question is, does Murray have enough left in the tank after two Game 7 victories? I mean, he had to play his heart out in both series against the Jazz. Now against the Clippers. Will he have enough in the tank to, to go against the Lakers and all those players, all those two guards they have to throw at him? They have Pope. They have Green. They have LeBron. Will he have enough in the tank? They even have Rondo to throw at him if they wanted to? Man, it's early Go for it. The thing the Lakers have that – the Clippers don't is Anthony Davis, man. And <laughs> Anthony Davis is an all-defensive player typically on a year, right? He should be able to go one-on-one and be able to handle that matchup with Jokic. I know he has a little weight on him, but he's so long and athletic. And he's going to make Jokic have to play defense. And I also think Dwight Howard played a little bit more in this series as well. Because I think the Dwight Howard is a, he's actually a good matchup against Jokic, in my opinion. I think that's what caused the Clippers in the series, too, their lack of rim protection. When they did go small with Harrell, you saw what would happen. Uh, Jokic was eating them up. There is no way Harrell could guard Jokic. That was, come on now. I know Harrell was talking a little bit of smack, but, you know, hey, hey, you got to be quiet. You got to stay humble, kid, you know. (laughs) Yeah, I think the lack of rim protection ended up costing the Clippers, too. And that's something, obviously, that the Lakers have. They have three bigs that they could be throwing out there, whether it's AD, JaVale, or Dwight. But um, it's a different style. Stylistically, it's a different matchup for the Nuggets. But we'll see. It, it's going to be a fun series. Uh, there's going to be adjustments made, unlike this series where, you know, it took Doc, you know, seven games to kind of finally change it up on them. But, um, yeah, I mean, you, at this point, you can't really count the Nuggets out. They've been down 3-1 twice already in, in these playoffs. But um, it, it should be a good one. We'll see. We'll see. We definitely will see. Let's move on to the Easter Conference. It was a great game today with the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics. The Miami Heat won that game 117-114 in overtime. Jimmy Butler came up big with a clutch three in the corner to end regulation. It was a foul call. Tatum hit the free throw, sent it to overtime 106-106. The Heat eventually wins in overtime with Butler hitting the and one layup and and one what do you guys think about that series? I know it's going seven. It might go seven. That was a great game today. Yeah, they match up well with each other, man. I mean, I'll tell you what. Your boy, Drogic, is trying to get paid right now. He is playing out of his mind. None doesn't even smell the court anymore because Drogic is playing amazing. Like, he is going to get paid. And your boy, Bam, with the big block. He had a rough game until then. But that block at the end, I swear, that was so nice. That was a great block. I just want to point this out. Uh, J-Boy Mikey, our boy Mikey, said he'll take Caruso over Dragic. I don't know He's where that idiot. statement came from in hey, a group that chat. that guy's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's an idiot. Hey, Dragic might end up in L.A. after this year, man. I would not be shocked, actually. I would not be shocked. He's a, he came off the bench this year. He accepted that six-man role. But as you said, news, Kendrick Nunn is kind of, you know, he, he had the uh, COVID uh, we glad he got healthy. Let's point that out first and foremost. He came back to the bubble. He hasn't played the same. So Dragas went back to the starting role, and he's averaging 21 this playoff so far. The Heat are up 1-0. They just beat the Bucks. Now they're up 1-0 on the Celtics. This is something the Heat. The Heat may be on to something here, guys. It was a great game. Uh, it was funny because at, at halftime, it was the uh, 
the score was tied 55-55 and the way both, both teams were playing so similar. I was thinking about that Spider-Man meme where like they're pointing at each other. That's like the first thing that came to mind. But yeah, so, I mean, both teams are defensively, they could switch everything. Um, they're disciplined. They both have two coaches that could make adjustments. And the way they play off the ball, um, it's going to be a fun series. You could tell these two teams are, are well coached. And then it's just, I mean, a matter of whose stars are going to come in clutch at the end. Like you mentioned earlier, Butler was the one that hit that big shot towards the end to force it to overtime. Or not force it to overtime, but to take the lead late. Before that, that was that whack-ass uh, That foul, foul call, yeah. That charge on uh, Derrick Jones Jr. I don't agree with that call at all either. I'll tell you, man. I think the difference when I was watching that game between it was Jimmy Butler is a proven vet- veteran, man. He's out there. He's taken that shot before, and he showed it. Whereas Jason Tatum, I, he looked like he was taking a little bit more of his shots were a little more panicked at the end of the game or forced. Like, they didn't look as smooth. Whereas Jimmy Butler, like, cool, calm, collected. He's been there. He's done that. And it really showed. I mean, that, I'm not saying that's going to be the difference in the end because, obviously, Tatum's grown in front of our eyes. I mean, he's been great to watch this year. Oh, definitely. And just to piggyback on that, I think Jimmy Butler's shots are more within the offensive flow. The Tatum shots were more like, you know, individual one-on-one. Like the end of shot, the end regulation, when he took that three-point shot against Derrick Jones Jr., it was just an individual, you know, let me ISO him, get my own shot. The shot that Jimmy took was that he was swinging the ball. And even the shot he made in overtime to put him up by two before the game ended, I think that was still within the offensive flow. So I just think Tatum has to learn how to, you know, just take the shot with offensive flow. But, you know, at the end of the game right there, you, people do usually isolate. And he learned from, you know, rest in peace to Kobe Bryant. He learned from Kobe. He was hitting today. I'm not going to lie. That that step back three-pointer, he was hitting that um, little step back um, padding fadeaway in the, on the baseline. He was hitting that today. The person that didn't show up today was Kimba. We got to talk about Kimba, guys. Kimba ain't showing up all playoffs. Is it the injury? Is it the knee? They said he was ready to go. Is it Hayward not being available? What you guys think? You made a couple good shots. At, towards the end of the game, he hit that little step back. Um, he did hit that shot step back in overtime. He did hit that, yep. Yeah, so, I mean, he didn't play great. He did make some timely shots. But going back to Tatum, he did struggle towards the end. I feel like, you guys said, he was kind of forcing it a little bit and trying to, like, forcing that iso. Even though on that play where he did get blocked by Bam, um, it was a pretty good move. It was just a straight one-two step, and he got past Jimmy. And he had the dunk dude until Bam just came out of nowhere and did his job. And that was a hell of a block, dude. But, um, hell of a block. Hell of a block. And that was, yeah, that, was, that might have been the best uh, playoff block since the whole LeBron 2016 finals when you got on Iggy. Yeah. That was the first one I, yeah, I could remember. But um, it's going to be a crazy series. we got to see what Brad Stevens, the Celtics, are going to do. Or what, what kind of adjustments they're going to make. Maybe they try to take the ball off Jimmy Butler's hand more. But, um... It's going to be fun, dude. I think it's going to go seven games. And then I just love the way both teams play. Like, if you're a basketball purist, um, the way they run their offenses and all that, off-ball and all that, it's going to be a fun series to watch. I don't know for you, because you're going to be struggling with emotion. You might have, like, five heart attacks during the season. but um, Relax, relax. I, was in, I had to put myself on mute during class today. I had to put myself on mute, turn the camera off. The teacher was like, where Mitsu go? I was like, I don't know where I'm at. I'm somewhere watching the game right now. That was a great game. If the whole series is like that, I can't wait to watch the whole series. That was just such a great game. You think Hayward might come back in the series and he'll make a difference based on what y'all seen today? I think it gives them a little more depth where, you know, I think the Heat have the advantage in depth. But like we've talked about before, 
think depth only goes so far in the playoffs. I mean, I just want to throw this out there. We talked about Doc Rivers and coaching and adjustments and stuff like that. This series, Spolstra and Stevens, that's two of the best coaches in the league, and you just love to see it. Yes, please give Eric Spolstra his flowers while he is here. I mean, I know everybody said he had Wade, he had LeBron, he had Bosh, but look at his resume. He only missed the playoffs twice since taking over as head coach, and he lost LeBron and Wade and Bosh in 2015, 2016, I believe, after that season. And he's really, really done a great job with Miami. Nobody expected Miami to be here. I know this is a different type of season. They're in a bubble. There's no fans. There's no home court advantage. So some people may, you know, put an asterisk next to Miami name for that. But they're playing great ball. And I think whether it was the bubble or not, they was going to beat Milwaukee. The Celtics, I mean, that has, uh, you know, had to wait to remain to be seen. But they were going to beat Milwaukee because they had the right players, the right formula to beat Milwaukee. Let's go a little bit, you know, in, into the offseason. Let's go a little bit to the offseason because we know that the Los Angeles Lakers just beat the Houston Rockets. D'Antoni walked away. You think Houston going to blow it up this year? Because I know a lot of people are talking about Trey Westbrook. D'Antoni didn't want to come back. Let's talk about the offseason. The draft is right around the corner as well. Let's get into the offseason. We just talked about the conference finals for both sides. Let's talk a little bit about the offseason, going into the offseason before it's offseason. I want to talk about the Rockets and blowing it up. I mean, I, I just – I'm at a loss of, for the direction that they can go. I mean, you literally do not have a functional big man on that team. You have no assets to get rid of someone like Russell Westbrook. Well, what's the option for them at this point? I, I really – like, who are you going to bring in? But do you That's trade the, Westbrook for assets? You can't – you have to pin assets to Russell to trade him at this point. Contract's too big into old like you have to pin an asset to it and they don't have an asset to pin on it unless you take something terrible back i it i just don't know what they're gonna do i i literally am at a loss with the rockets uh, i'm a thunder fan we own all their picks so i'm happy <laughs> as hell but i don't know what they do i don't know what they do yeah it's not if you know if they want to blow it up it's if they can uh westbrook's old 43 million dollars in the next three years and i, I can't see anyone who's gonna take that contract like moon said um the only way that someone might take it is they attach an asset to it but they don't have any i mean unless and even if they could afford it i mean at this point they're kind of they're cap tied too no picks um i i you know i appreciate what their amori did and kind of went all in and i know people were were mentioning this too that when you know the warriors were in the middle of their dynasty um, the Rockets were the only team who had like kind of the guts to kind of go face to face with them instead of like trying to tank like everyone else kind of did and concede to them. I appreciate they went all in on the small ball. It didn't work. When it comes to D'Antoni, I mean, the writing was kind of on the wall. They said that he, he turned down an extension earlier this year. But um, I mean, I don't know what they can do. I mean, Westbrook's contract's untradeable. I mean, and then people were mentioning that maybe if you attach, if they really want to go full rebuild and attach Harden to Westbrook and kind of make it, hey, if you want James, take Westbrook, but that's too much money. That's like close to like $80 million in those two contracts alone. You think they're really going to trade Harden at this point? No, I'm just saying, like, yeah. people were kind of throwing that, like, the only way maybe someone would take Westbrook's contract is if, like, say, they, they attach it to Harden and they yeah. went full rebuild, but that's like $80 million in cat and you know, contract-wise a year, so um, because they're both going to make over 40. So even then, I mean, is that even possible? And especially with the cap possibly going down due to the whole corona and the China situation. So um, Caused by by the Rockets, by the way. I'm just throwing (laughs) it out there. 
But but I actually I actually think if they get a solid offensive scheme in there, Westbrook and Harden and get a big man, I think they could be all right because they got talent there. It's not like they don't have talent. You got Westbrook, you got Harden, you got Eric Gordon, you got Covington, you got players that can hit threes. I just think they need a solid offense. I think the Dan Tony offense just make them too predictable. They're going to play fast. They're going to shoot the three. They're not really going to play no defense. They said they're targeting Jeff Van Gundy and um, I think it was Tyron Lue. I saw an article earlier. Them two. So I think they get a solid offense in there, get a solid defensive scheme. I think they could be all right. But you do have players, you know, you do have some good teams coming back next year. Clippers going to keep it together. You know, they might be have a different coach. We're going to have, you know, the Lakers coming back. The Warriors going to come back healthy. Portland's going to come back healthy. I mean, the Rockets could be in the mix if they have a get a good coach. How do they improve, Sue, besides the coach? like, And how is the coach going to change the scheme if he doesn't have the players to change the scheme? I mean, P.J. Tucker cannot be a full-time center for much longer. Oh, yeah, we, we definitely know that. We definitely know that. Running on rims at this point. Like, yeah. that guy – Cannot have any air in the tires left. Yeah, I, I mean you. I do, you definitely have to get a. You definitely have to get a big dude in there, a center. I don't know how they could trade for a center. Maybe they could draft one. They don't have any picks, as you guys said. They have to get some type of scheme in there that fits Westbrook and Harden. Because I think even though D'Antoni's scheme fits Harden, it doesn't fit Westbrook. Because Westbrook's not a shooter. Westbrook is more of a individual type player. So I don't think D'Antoni's scheme fits him very well. Hey, but if you go back to the end of the season, Russell Westbrook was playing unbelievable. I yeah, that's true. That's the problem. Like, Bef- I mean, before the pandemic, the right? Before the pandemic, four yeah. shooters around him, it was pretty unstoppable. Mm-hmm. Like, it was great to watch. I, I honestly think like the only thing the Rockets could do is D'Antoni's system. Like, what, there's, I, I can't imagine a system that works for them better. But speaking of D'Antoni, I heard he's going to go to the Sixers, and that just is kind of interesting. In general. And that's very interesting because I don't see him really in B really. Fitting in his system, maybe Simmons. Simmons could fit in his system. Uh, you know, granted that he comes back healthy and ready to go, but I don't really see Simmons. I mean, Embiid fitting in his system. I see Embiid. They might have to trade Embiid, but if they trade Embiid, I don't really see that Tony succeeding. I see the same old Houston Rockets team. So we're done with the Rockets, man. I'm over them. Let them lose all their games. <laughs> what are the Bucks gonna do? What are, are they? Gonna hey, that's what are the Bucks gonna do? We just saw that. Giannis deleted all the uh, staff members, all the team. We think Giannis leaves. He gets traded. He leaves. What do you guys think about that? I don't think he demands a trade this offseason, but the pressure is on the Bucks. Uh, I know he met with ownership, kind of seeing what they could do, what changes they could make, or you know, how they're going to improve the team. I don't think uh, Giannis is that type of player who would demand a trade. I think like, he has that, you know, that, you know, the European culture is like they're kind of more loyal and I want to stick it out. Um, but um, we're talking about the Rockets kind of being uh, cap tied too. I know the Bucks might be in a similar situation because they have a couple bad contracts themselves, dude. Um, I know that I heard a report that they want to trade Eric Bledsoe, but he's getting paid a lot, and I don't know if anyone's going to want him. And I think they have a Chris Middleton problem too where, you know, if, if you're a championship team, it, can Chris Middleton be the second best player on a legit championship team? And not to cut, just- not to cut you off, but this is the first time I watched Chris Middleton very, very closely, and he was killing the Miami Heat. He was balling. The problem is he can't play like that with Giannis, or he has yet to prove he can play like that when Giannis is in the game as well. But go ahead, back, go back to your point. 
But he started balling when they were down 3-0 and there was, like, no pressure on him. Like, game one, he played decent game one. Came That's, very game three, That's very true. That's very true. He wasn't a factor. That's the thing about Middleton. During the regular season when there's no pressure on him, um, he's fine. You know, he's a good 3 and D player to score. But when the pressure's truly on and they're in the middle of a tough series, he doesn't show up. Um, he balled game four after Giannis got hurt. I know he did step up from that game where he, he twisted his ankle and he was out. And then game five, too, he balled, but, I mean, too little, too late, man. He should have been doing that since game one. So, I mean, the Bucks are kind of, their situation is not as bad as the Rockets just because they do have assets. I know they got Vinny on there and they got some other young players that could play. But um, that's the thing, too, like, if you, you really want to consider themselves a, a legit championship contenders, because we saw what the Heat did to them, and they kind of exposed them with their lack of shooting. Uh, what are they going to do with Bledsoe? Is Middleton good enough? Maybe could they get a number two and make Middleton number three? Can they do that with that contract? So it's going to be interesting to see. But um, there was rumors about them adding Chris Paul. Uh, maybe that could help. News is all about that. Hey, he wants, he wants more pitch. Hey, man. Hey. <laughs> I was reading that too. Chris Paul would be great on their team. He can shoot the jumper, and he can make his own offense, make offense for other people, which no one else on the Bucks can do besides besides Giannis. I mean, but stop Giannis saying that Giannis cannot create his own offense. He can't create offense for others. Giannis he is own offense. He, he is offense. I mean, he's the offense, but he can't really. All he has is that euro step. He has that slow three pointer. He really doesn't create offense. He doesn't make players around him better, I'm saying. You're just proving the point even better, man. So who better than Chris Paul for that? Oh, no, no. I'm not saying don't, I'm not saying don't trade for Chris Paul. I'm just saying I think Giannis could be a little bit overrated. I know he's back-to-back MVP. I know he's, you know, defensive player, two-time player of the year. I'm just saying that I think they need to pump the brakes on Giannis because he can't de- – when you need a shot in a clutch time, you cannot go to Giannis. But you can go to Chris Paul. You go to Chris Paul. You go to Chris Paul, yeah. I think Middleton is more of the, if you want a shot, you create your own shot in clutch time, he may not make the shot, but I think he's a player that can create his own shot or he could get his own shot, you know, when the last seconds are wilding down and stuff like that. But Giannis is not that player. Like Jay said, they're handcuffed, man, and the Thunder love to handcuff people. Might as well. <laughs> you might as well. Give us DiVincenzo, Bledsoe, all your garbage contracts, and maybe a first-round pick in 2029. <laughs> 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 That's what I was going to say. I'm like, do OKC fans even want any more picks? Y'all got like 20 picks in the next like three years. We want them all, baby. Trust me. Hey, <laughs> ask me to. I text him every day. I live for the pick he, up <laughs> He really does text the group chat every day talking about how many more picks he could get. He want all the high school players available. <laughs> hey, we just hired the rival's executive for high school recruiting. He's now our scout. We love to see it. A <laughs> hey, great episode, guys. Great episode, guys. The biggest takeaway from tonight is the Clippers. What they going to do? Back to the drawing board. Everybody thought the Clippers, Lakers. We were waiting for that Clippers-Lakers matchup. We did not get that matchup. So we're taking the Lakers, what, in five against the Nuggets? And uh, what, the Heat in six? Or Heat in seven? <laughs> I got the... I think the Clippers can take them out in six. You know, I'm going to be... If we go 3-1, I'm going to be a little bit nervous. I'm not going to lie. You said, you said the Clippers. You're already messing up. You said the Clippers. Oh, my bad. The Lakers. Too excited about that Clippers series. <laughs> hey, man, the Clippers going to clip, man. I'm still... I, I still can't believe it, dude. Uh, <laughs> 
Like, I come into the day. Yeah, I, I, I can't wait to get on Twitter tonight. We have not been on Twitter yet. I should have read some tweets. But I think my uh, friend Amy's had the best tweet, the best message saying, get on the plane immediately. How fast can you leave the bubble? The shocking, shocking. Clippers might have to blow it up. We're all disappointed in the Clippers. The Lakers Nuggets and the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics continue um, their series. It's, it was just been great. Let's give a round of applause to the NBA for pulling this thing off too, right? Can we get a round of applause for NBA for pulling this thing off? There's been no positive tests of Corona. It's not over yet. So let's, you know, let's prompt the bricks a little bit. But we're almost there, guys. I- I'm proud of Adam Silver. What you guys think? Hey, speaking of Adam Silver, we need, we need someone to check up on him right now because I know that, you know, he lost his L.A. versus L.A. Western Conference. Someone, <laughs> I need someone to check up on my boy Silver right now because he's probably freaking out. But, uh, Stern, uh, Stern tried to set it up, couldn't do it. He left it to Adam Silver. He couldn't do it, man. Let's bring someone else in. Let's try again. Right, right. Oh, my God. That's so funny. Hey, applause to Adam Silver. Applause to the whole NBA. They're halfway through this thing. They're more than halfway through the thing, actually. No positive tests. We're almost close to the NBA Finals. The Lakers and Nuggets should be a good one. It, anything um, after that Celtics Heat game, definitely going to be a great series. That's definitely going seven. Once again, we know that Brianna Taylor family settled for $12 million, but we do not want that. We want the officers arrested in that case. Please arrest the officers who killed Brianna Taylor. Thank you guys for joining me tonight. Couch Talk Sports.